Everybody, welcome to the Need to Nerd podcast, episode number two. So in this episode, it's going to be much more representative, much more of an example of what you're going to hear going forward. I'm going to be answering some questions that were put to me on YouTube, in fact. And so I thought it would be a good place to discuss some of these questions, the podcast format. You guys let me know what you think in terms of uh, whether you prefer I answer this in video or in podcast. Anyway, maybe I'll just do both at the same time. Okay, let's get to it. So somebody wanted to ask me, uh, will your freelancer course be useful if I want to make some part-time income as a Python developer? Short answer is, of course, the freelancer course is language neutral. Now, the person unknown, excuse me, the person whose name is Cool Unknown, uh, was worried about I was going to force PHP on him. Now, no, no, you're just going to find that depending on where he lives, there's a lot of PHP jobs, that's all. You know, but you, you could, you know, the principles and the techniques and the processes and the templates, everything that I provide in my freelance course will help you regardless of the language, doesn't matter if you can find the jobs. Uh, so uh, I said, uh, no, the freelance course works with any language except ActionScript. It's a bit of a joke. Nobody, not too many people use ActionScript these days. So um, he wanted to know, he continues, next question, do you think freelancing is a good first step for entrepreneurship for somebody who wants to sell his own products? That's a great question and it's a center, central point. I, I think I covered that in the course. I'm not quite sure to be honest with you. But yes, yes, I did cover it in the course. Freelancing is a great first business to get into because you're essentially selling your expertise and as such, it's very cheap to set up, right? You have the skills. You don't have to open up a factory. You don't have to design products and so forth. All you need to do to get going as a freelancer is to basically, assuming you're getting into the coding space, is just to set up a website and then to start reaching out to prospective clients. And I've listed a whole bunch of things that you can do in the freelancer course. This is a great way to prepare you for entrepreneurship because you're going to be as a freelancer, you're going to be exercising skills that you're going to need no matter what type of business that you get involved in. That includes things like negotiations, uh, billing, managing client expectations, organizing workflows. These are all things that you have to do, again, regardless of the business, whether it be creating your own SaaS, a software as a service, or whether you are... Um, uh, you know, starting a restaurant, you know, it doesn't really matter. These are universal skills. So if your end goal is to open some sort of business, yes, freelancing is a great first business to get into because it's just so easy and it's uh, to get into it, no major cost, and you're going to learn a lot as you do. Somebody asked me another question I'm going to answer here on the YouTube. I talked about using uh, frameworks using libraries and how that is more than acceptable is actually what you should be doing as a developer. One concern that noobs to software development have, the concern is that they, they shouldn't be using other people's code, they shouldn't be using libraries. Well, first of all, you shouldn't be using other people's code unless the code has been given away. All these frameworks, whether it be uh, Angular, Vue.js, React, whether it be a server-side framework like Django or PHP Laravel or Java Spring, 
keep going. We can keep going. Any of these libraries that are open to the public, of course you should use them. Much in the same way a carpenter is not going to go into the woods and start chopping down their trees to uh, to use to you know to create the wood. They're going to buy the wood at the local wood place, you know, in home hardware, wherever you buy wood. You're not going to start doing these kind of things. It's the you know in real estate the number one rule, the top three rules in real estate is re, is location, location, location. Well, likewise, the top three rules in software development is reuse, reuse, reuse. First thing you should do is when a project comes, uh, you know, comes to you, you have to first look to see what frameworks, what is out there already that, that can facilitate the process. Some people, when I say that, some people go, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to be cheating. I'm not going to be learning all that magic stuff under the hood that you see in a framework, in a library, like a Vue.js, as an example or a bootstrap for another example. Well, don't worry. There's going to be plenty of stuff to learn, plenty of code to write, even if you use these frameworks. In fact, you're silly not to use the frameworks. That's why web apps and websites are far more sophisticated today than they were just 10, 15 years ago, because we have all these great libraries and frameworks that we can leverage. I remember, I remember back in the 90s when I was first writing code and building websites and web apps. For instance, just to create a date picker was like a massive job. I remember one of my colleagues was working on a project, a pretty big project, and he spent like two weeks, two weeks to put together a date, pick, a date picker that actually worked in the web browsers. It was, what a disaster. These days, you got the HTML5 tag that can do that, you got a jQuery library, you got, all, you got options for date pickers. It would be crazy for you to try to build a date picker from scratch when you have free-to-use libraries. So yes, use free-to-use libraries. Don't be afraid about that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with using code that's out there. So his specific question is guy Alan Francis. He says, the question is, what about using CSS effects and stuff like that from CodePen? Again, you got to check to see with the license, if it's GNU, if it's open source, etc. They'll, they'll indicate that and just see with the licenses. You don't want to get sued. As long as it's open, as long as the author of the code said, yeah, yeah, no problem. You can use our code to do whatever you want with it. Then go for it. Don't reinvent the wheel. I extend this even to web UI. We have pretty much figured out these days how sites, websites, or web apps should be structured in terms of whether it's two columns or three columns or one column, et cetera, et cetera, and how things flows. We got our headers, we got our footers, et cetera, et cetera. Again, don't, don't try and tweak your own layouts. You should just grab a layout, boom, a framework that you can grab. There's a whole bunch of them out there on the web that are free to use, and then build off of that. In fact, if you're designed challenged, if you're not very good at design, you're more of a back-end coder and you're doing freelance work, and you're worried about whether or not you're going to have the design chops to make it look good, don't worry about it. Just use templates. Just use templates and build off the template. And just tell the client, say, you know, you interview the client, you say, okay, we, we looked at your site. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to present you a few templates that we can start our work off of, and we can expand from there 
And uh, if the client says, hey, well, I want you to use the template. So well, listen, if I build from scratch, it's going to cost you much, much, much more. Much better use a template because the code is vetted, the code is clean. And don't worry, we can change it, the look of it, enough so that it doesn't look like a template. And, you know, there are tens of thousands of templates out there that are free or you can buy a commercial license for, you know, 20 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks. It doesn't matter. This is all cool. Remember the top three rules of software development. Reuse, reuse, reuse. Don't, don't make the mistake of reinventing the wheel. First thing you do, new project to reiterate. First thing you do is you go out there and you see what's out there. And I think this will be the final question for this particular podcast. Can I make 200K years a freelance developer? And the short answer, yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Um, but it depends where you happen to be living. If you're living in a third world country where, uh, where you know, 10,000 a year is the average salary, then that would probably be very, very, very difficult unless you're doing overseas work. But let's say you're in North America, let's say in your Europe, you're in high, you know, Japan perhaps, wherever incomes are higher. Um, it, yes, you can. I won't put a number like 200K because 200K in New York City is one thing and 200K in, uh, I don't know, Colorado or some small town in Mississippi is a whole different thing, right? Because an apartment in New York will cost you millions and a beautiful house in, somewhere in Texas uh, could cost you 300 grand. So we've got to always look at context where you live in terms of determining your wealth, uh, how much you earn and whether it's a lot. I hope that makes sense, right? That being said, yes, you can utilize good freelancing strategies and structures to in fact make much more money than you could, much, much more money than you could if you were working for somebody. So I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, number one, first you have, to, you, have, you have to have basic skills. You have to have your skills to be able to sell, right? You can't, if you got no skills, then you're not gonna sell. So I recommend most likely the web stack is gonna be the easiest to get into the freelance game, but it could be Python, it could be, it could be uh, C-sharp, it depends on where you live. You have to check out local job opportunities, where the gigs are. But if you know your foundations, then you could pivot into whatever skills, whatever frameworks, whatever libraries that people are looking to get, uh, they're looking for people to do work on. So that's number one. So you got your skills, I assume you have that. So the next thing you gotta do is you gotta develop really efficient workflows. A workflow is you know, literally your flow of work. How do you produce the work that you do for outside clients? Now, when you're first starting out, you're not, you're not gonna have any workflows, so it's gonna take you a lot more time to get something done. You're not gonna know what libraries to use, you're not gonna understand, you're not gonna have a good process in terms of handling your clients, you're not gonna have a good process in terms of, uh, of billing, all kinds of things that eat into your time. It's uh, very important that you have to develop the good workflows. That's such a key part of this whole thing, that's for sure. So uh, I'll give you an example recent for me uh, with this uh, podcasting that I'm doing. Now, the podcast is it's new to me again. I did podcast 2006 and nine, but I haven't done it since. So I'm looking at an efficient workflow to be able to produce the podcast easily, to be able to edit it, boom, boom, get it up line. And that's taking my time. That's taking time. I've tried different ways. 
I scrapped some stuff I didn't like. So it's a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted time. Once I got the workflow ready where I know, okay, I'm going to use this mic, I'm going to use this recorder, I'm going to use this app to record with, and this is where I upload, this is, where, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm going to be able to produce podcasts in a fraction of the time that it's, it's taken me thus far to produce a podcast. Same thing with the coding. Workflows are huge. In addition to workflows, the way you can increase your the amount of money you're making for your time is, again, leveraging libraries, as I spoke about earlier in this podcast. And having a good, stable set of libraries as part of your workflow, could, if you're doing the web stack, it could be uh, Bootstrap, it could be uh, jQuery, although that's kind of fallen out of favor these days, but you might use jQuery once here or there. You may decide, okay, for this particular situation, jQuery makes sense for this little thing here. You may use Vue.js, etc., etc., etc. So having uh, a good libraries in your arsenal helps with the workflow, helps you to make much more money. Another thing is to have just a set of go-to uh, structures in place. And that's where a um, rela related to uh, libraries are the framework. So if you were doing uh, Python backend web apps, you know your Django, for example. If you were doing PHP backend web apps, you would have Laravel under your belt, etc., etc., etc. So these, all these things contribute to your profitability because what happens once you have this in place, and there's other things you have in place too, uh, your ability to uh, get the workout is going to increase tremendously. So, you know, in the beginning, something that might take you 10 hours to do with good workflows, good templates, uh, a process in place that you've developed, instead of taking you 10 hours, you might do it in two hours. But guess what? You bid on the project, you still bid 10, or you bid, you bid nine, you bid eight hours. All of a sudden, you're not making, you're making many times your money than you were just in the beginning. So this is a big part of getting into that position where you're making the big money as a freelancer. It's all part of a process. And finally, I'll leave you with this, and I'm leaving out a lot of details because it's just a podcast after all. You have to have a reputation. You have to build a reputation so that uh, you're respected and they want you to do the work for them, which gives you a lot more negotiating power so you can start uh, charging more and getting less guff. So how do you develop reputation? Well, one thing you can do is start off, start up, you build up a site that looks good, you show your projects, you, uh, you're gonna start developing relationships as you land more and more jobs, more and more gigs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these strategies that you can do, but once you got a good reputation, people come to you and you can, you can not quite name your price, but boy, you can charge a lot more than you can if you don't have a reputation. For example, myself, I don't gig anymore. I don't do freelance. I'm just too busy with my own work. But I get job op opportunities every week thrown at me, thrown at me. So it's, uh, and I could charge a lot because people know I know my stuff and they know that if I'm involved in a project, it's going to get done well and it's going to be uh, done properly. So I guess well and properly is the same thing. Anyway, all right, I think that's it. This podcast has gone on for a little while. I hope you found episode number two of Need to Nerd. I hope you found it useful.